mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Panther Paris. I am your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and Alex Lopez. And joining us today from WPLG Local 10 and the Chirping the Cats podcast, once again, our friend David Dwork. David, how are you today? Good morning, gentlemen. Well, I guess in the podcast world, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, but hello. <laughs> hello. How, how, are, how are you today, Good afternoon. David? I'm great. The Merry Panthers Christmas. have the most points in the NHL. Like how This is the time where we should be walking on clouds. Like This is our time. There you go. Oh, it, it's definitely good. And I'm, I'd just like to find out we've got more bully talk today, so this is awesome. I talked to Ian last week and how we need to do a, an exclusive goalie pod and just cut Jacob and TJ out of the entire process. So I feel like we should. All right, see you guys later. With me, all enough goalie gear to play a game right now. I would just have to go get my skates. I've got leg pads, glove blocker, helmet. It's all in here because I haven't used it in forever and I missed it. I've got my I've got my helmet with me. That's about it. Everything else. One of these days, we should try to set up. We'll try and work with the Panthers to set up like a PTP charity, like stick and puck game. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Let's see what we can do about that. Already, it's usually the hardest part is getting the goalies, and you've got that covered. You got, exactly. yeah. We've got, we've got, we've got Alex, Alex in house. We've myself. got you, David. We've got Ian. I mean, yeah, we've got three we're, right we're, away. We've got no shortage of goalies. That way, one can always be on the bench refilling on beer. You just have a game of all goalies. Just five skaters in goalie gear, but also, oh, no, here's what you do, David. Five skaters in goalie gear, and then someone in net with like regular padding. See, now you're just talking crazy. <laughs> Bizarro hockey. Uh, so <laughs> well, we're David, on like, like you said, uh, the Panthers are tied with the Lightning. I do have to add that little caveat in. Uh, they're tied they're with also the tied with the New York for, Islanders. For, yeah, but no one cares. Uh, tied with the Lightning for first in the NHL in points. So screw mm. off those of you who, uh, who say that hockey doesn't belong in the South because Florida is currently dominating the NHL. And lately, a lot of that can be attributed to the remarkably improved play of Sergei Bobrovsky. He, he's just been like, he, he's been lights out over the past few weeks. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of the mistakes that we harped on for the last season and a half, basically. Uh, and, and he's really just been on his game. Uh, David, what have you seen from Bobrovsky that's just impressed you relative to the last uh, year or so? I mean, right now it's, it's the consistency in his game. Uh, he looks confident. And I mean, you hit on, you hit on so many of the points. He's not giving up cheap goals. He's, he's out there. I, I think you can see the confidence, not just Bob, but just overall the way the team plays in front of him. 
when you know that your goalie behind you is probably going to stop that two on one, or he's going to get that breakaway save, or he's bailing you out the way that a top tier goaltender should, the way, you know, Vasilevsky does whenever we play Tampa or the way earlier this season, whether it was Pecorine, whether it was Jonathan Bernier, we ran into all these goalies that were making huge saves. Thomas Rice has done it to us for years. Now Bob <laughs> is giving the Panthers that. He's giving them a reliable goaltender in the crease. They're able to, you know, open up the game a little bit more, maybe adds that level of comfort that nobody's ever going to admit to, but you know is there. Anybody that plays hockey, you know that when you're confident in your goalie, it makes the rest of the game that much easier. Um, so yeah, we're getting that from Bob. It's almost like you can just take last year and just kind of like put it in the back of the drawer and just kind of forget it maybe, because now we're seeing the Bob that you saw for years and years that maybe stumbled out of the gate a little bit to start the season and then gradually picked up momentum and became the great goalie that he's been known to be. That's what we're seeing this season. Uh, you know, maybe last season was just an anomaly, kind of like when Ben Bishop went to Dallas that first year and he struggled, eh, that, that, but it's just nice to see him playing so well now and to have that confidence in both goaltenders going into every game with a feeling of the Panthers can win this game, regardless of who they're playing, regardless of who in net it's, it's new. It's unique. It's nice. I, I think back to the struggles that he had at the beginning of the year. And of course, at the time you mentioned that he had a really rough season last year. And a lot of people were thinking about that, but I came into the season thinking he was going to bounce back. And then if people remember, he wasn't available for the first game of the year. The only goalies that the Panthers had available at the moment were uh, Drieger and Montembeau. And I had uh, tweeted something out that uh, got a lot of uh, my mentions and notifications, et cetera, that the fourth and fifth highest cap hits for goalies were the ones that the Panthers were dressing that night. And it, and Bob's absence, I believe had something to do with the uh, COVID protocol, whether or not, he uh, actually was sick with COVID in the off season, or if it was related to a close contact or something like that. Uh, I don't want to speculate because I don't think that's public information. Uh, in your professional opinion as a journalist and as a former goalie, what effect do you think that had never former, never on former. his early season <laughs> struggles? The fact that either he couldn't really be a part of training camp or perhaps he was actually sick with COVID. He did when we first were able to ask him about it, like it was never like said, but he did indicate that he had been not doing much. He had been only doing exercises and stretch work and that kind of thing. So it, it kind of, you, you can assume that he was probably in isolation, whether he had it or he was quarantining, whatever. But I mean, he, anytime you get out of your routine, because remember Bob had been working at the ice den for a couple of months with so many of his teammates that were there getting ready for the season and for goalies, particularly routines are pretty important then all of a sudden you got to stay at home for a week or however long it was you're not on the ice at all and I think that's why they gradually worked him back in because I believe he started practicing right before opening night like maybe a day or two before and there was some speculation that maybe he'd get in the lineup um ultimately he missed the first I think game or two or whatever it was um but yeah that certainly could have been an impact I mean traditionally Bob's been a slow starter it's just the way he's been um whatever whether it was the, the, you know, I don't want to call it the COVID miss, but you know, the time off the ice or just the way he is um, just the difference in his play, even from like a month ago, I felt like his footwork just looked a little weird. He was kind of wishy-washy in the crease, moving around a lot of unnecessary movements, goals squeaking through between his arm and his body between his five hole. And that's the kind of stuff that drives a goalie crazy. I'm sure Alex can totally attest to that. 
It, when you give them up and they're picking corners on you, that's one thing. When you're letting them go through you, the area that you're already technically there covering, that's a bigger problem. You don't want to get that from your top goaltenders. And that's what Bob was doing. Now it seems like he's short up all those issues. So whether it's been just getting his footing under him, getting that consistent playing time, because I think now he started like maybe like five out of six or six out of seven or something. And, uh, you know, that, that helps with Bob, particularly, he's always said it's about building for him the season. It's just building one on top of the other and getting your game better and better. And that kind of progress is exactly what we're seeing from him. I couldn't agree more, David. And you kind of touched on a lot of my points. So I'll, I'll, I'll skip, I'll skip repeating your view, but you're absolutely right. Bob started like five of the last six and he's been great in all of them. The bad goals that we were seeing earlier in the year, they're gone. I mean, the worst goal he's given up this week was that fourth goal against Columbus. And it wasn't even his fault. It was a two on one puck went off leaguer and it went through his five hole as he's sliding from his right to his left. I know some called that a soft goal, but that's, it's just not when you're playing a pass, see a pass sliding over to protect the pass. So you're like, your five holes going to open up because that's just the nature of the movement. Puck went off leaguer, went between his five hole and sent to the back of the net. And it sucks. So that's a low percentage shot that's in the back of the net. But we are getting great Bob again. I mean, I'm going through the expected goals for this just this week. Uh, game one against Columbus. Columbus had a, th- a 3.08 expected goals. They gave up two. Uh, Bob gave up two of them. And one of them was a garbage time goal late. So let's be honest. Like he really, you know, without that garbage goal, they, and I call it garbage goals, the game is over. The goal really didn't impact anything that much other than the fact that it gave Columbus an opportunity to pull the goalie in the last two minutes, but it was a four, one game going into the last five minutes of the game. The Panthers don't blow those leads. So he could have easily had a, uh, a any more, right. Any more, <laughs> but he easily could have had one of those outstanding games where in terms of expected goals, he gave up one when it was a 3.08 instead he only, you know, was two goals above expected or below expected. Same thing in that next game again. The next game, it was a 5-4 game, but really none of those goals were Bob's fault. Like they, they were being, corners were being picked. It was two on ones. Like that was just a very, very odd game all around for the Panthers, especially early on. They were just giving up chances. They weren't playing well and they finally turned it on and won the game. But like, and then again, last night, Bob was outstanding in the first period, shut Patrick Kane down a few times, even though on that uh, one timer on the power play, that's as much on Kane missing as it was on Bob making a great save. Like you just don't see Kane shoot it back into the goalie from that spot. But again, it's a four, one game with under a minute and a half left. And Bob's looking at, you know, another under, you know, two goal under expected game and they get a garbage goal to make it four, two. So now it's a point four below expected, but Bob's being who you want him to be. The yeah. only thing I would caution now is, you got to start Drieger mm-hmm. again because of this condensed mm-hmm. schedule. You can, you cannot treat Bob like he wants to. You have to save Bob from himself because Bob would, would start all 82 games if you could or all 56 in the shortened schedule. He just can't. Yeah, I mean, Bob at this point has now gone Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and we're assuming that he's going to go Monday. So that's two days in between starts and then four consecutive starts with one day in between. And that's, you know, it used to be that if you were a starting goalie, that was what it was expected of you. But now we're seeing the teams with the best goaltending don't do that. They give one of their starters 45 games and they give the other one 37. And it looks like the Panthers, I don't want to necessarily slate Q because he's done a fantastic job overall, but 
you're a little bit worried with him being one of the older coaches in the league that he hasn't caught up to the league 100%. And he's still a little bit in that, you know, mid 2000s and early 2010s mindset of, oh, the starting goalie is going to play unless it's a back to back. And I think a lot of the reason that Bob struggled last year was just the fact that he had played so damn much for the Jackets because they didn't have anywhere near the kind of goaltending he gave them in the backup position that he had to play basically every night for them to have a chance of making the playoffs. So I think that what we're seeing right now might not be available even like as soon as when they make the playoffs, because we're all assuming that that's going to happen. Uh, If they continue to play him every other night or every game that isn't a back-to-back. So I, I completely agree with Alex. I would be definitely worried about him as the season goes along if he's getting 80% of the starts. It's a tough situation right now, though, because Bob is probably, I mean, not probably, Bob's playing better uh, in a Panthers uniform right now than he ever has. And when you think about it from Q's perspective, how much do you want to send him off that track? If he's starting to really build some momentum right now, uh, do you want to plug in? a Chris Drieger when maybe like, obviously you want to keep Drieger fresh, but what's, what's the priority? Is it keeping Drieger fresh or is it getting Bob going? And I think at least for now, I, if, if that's what Q is thinking, I get it. I get wanting to build that momentum with your goaltender. They do have a back-to-back coming up next weekend. Um, they've got, I think three days out. we're recording this between Chicago games. So we, they've got the, I think two extra days off between Chicago and Nashville. And I don't know, like the way that Bob is playing right now, we haven't seen this yet since he's come to South Florida. And I want to see where it's going to go. If he's going to take it to that next level, this is a Vezina winning goaltender. This is a guy who was at the top of his game two years ago. Uh, I, I'm, you know, as a goalie, I want to see the best that we can get from him. Now, is that going to become a burnout issue as the season goes on? I don't know if you can plan ahead for that kind of thing. This season is so strange with the shortened schedule, the compacted games, there's not like a playbook that anybody can go towards, whether it's an old school coach like you, or if it's a John Cooper, or if it's a Rod Brindamore, it's really tough. And and I mean, you look at what those teams are doing, totally different styles. Brindamore is rotating between, I think he's used three or four goalies already this season. And you know that Cooper's riding Vasilevsky Mm -hmm. until his legs fall off. Yeah. And he should, because McElhaney has been awful. (laughs) And Vasilevsky has far and away been the best goalie in the league this year. Tampa's losing when McElhaney's in net and just getting burned. Uh, David, real quick, because I mean, you kind of ended up to where I was going to say, like two priorities, get Bob going or keep Drieger fresh. The reality is like Chris Drieger is a great story and he's been really good for the Panthers, but like, your priority needs to be your $10 million goalie. But I think your priority also needs to make sure you keep Bobrovsky fresh because the playoffs are going to come. And if he's been playing every other night, you're not going to get your best. You're not going to get best Bobrovsky. Like you need Drieger to just eat a game, a game a week minimum. So Bobrovsky hasn't played every other night for three straight months. That's right. In the first round of the playoffs this year, chances are we're going up against either Tampa or Carolina. And we don't have to go back all that far for a memory of Sergei Bobrovsky stonewalling a better team to advance to the next round in the playoffs. His last season with Columbus, Bobrovsky was the reason that Columbus swept Tampa in the first round. He just outright was the reason. So if we're if we're hoping to get past that first round and we know that we're going to have to go up against a Tampa or a Carolina, 
you got to make sure you've got Bob at his best. Well, we're going to have to see how that plays out as the season goes on. If Bob gets the level he's at now and continues to ascend in that direction, maybe you're more comfortable that he's going to stay at that level, regardless of whether he skips a game every week or what, you know, whatever it might be. And you can do that as the season gets towards the playoffs, you can give him a little extra rest here or there. Um, I just think right now you have to play the hand you're looking at in this moment. And that's getting Bob going. When we get into like March, April, May towards what we, if it's not a playoff season, then, Let's just blow it all up because that would be the biggest disaster be maybe ever in Panthers history. Mm-hmm. Like they're NHL I think right history now they have a twelve point. point lead on the first team out of the playoffs with two games in hand and half yeah. the schedule to go. If they I, I don't know that, what to do with my hands right now. I'm so used to being five points out with two games in hand. I don't understand being twelve points up with two games in hand. Yes. Uh, well, I'll, I'll ask TJ's question because I know uh, you've got real world things to do, David. Um, <laughs> Since you're more tuned into the organization than we are, and we were just talking about having to go up against Tampa and Carolina, the Panthers are probably going to be looking to augment the roster coming up to the trade deadline. Have you heard anything on what the Panthers are trying to do in terms of your, uh, can you report anything for us? No, nothing concrete, because I think right now they're, they're still trying to figure out just exactly what they have. One thing that I, I do think maybe they'd like to get ahead of the playoffs is a more reliable centerman, probably somebody like, a, I don't, I don't know if it would probably be a third line guy or maybe somebody that you can slot in, like what they do with Achari sometimes where they just send him out for an important draw and then get him off the ice really quick. Um, just because the face-off circle has been such a level of inconsistency for them this season. I think they're pretty set defensively. They've got a solid rotation. They've got seven, eight guys that they're moving in and out. And you can't really point to anybody on the roster and say, he's having a bad year. Like it's been pretty solid across the board. Nobody's having a huge year either, which is I think why the team is succeeding. Everybody's playing at the level that you would expect them to play, that you want them to play. Nobody's dragging you down and they don't need anybody like past Panthers teams. You needed Barkov to have an MVP type season, or you needed, you know, guys like whatever that, that, that uh, 2012 team with all the, the no name guys that they brought in and, <laughs> Uh, Thomas Kapetsky's and, and the Versteeds. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to go back like, you know, when that team turned in, everybody had this really amazing season. We don't have that this year. Everybody's just doing their thing and chugging along and it's translating into this amazing Panthers team. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd like to just talk to, cause you know, this team, it, we kind of touched on it. This team is at 40 points. They're tied for the most points in the NHL, even though I hate that stat because there's technically four different leagues right. right now. But the reality is the Panthers are one of, if not the best stories in the NHL, and nobody's talking about them. That's Elliot, not as true yeah. anymore. We're, we're starting to get some looks. There's I some was, uh, consideration. The NHL 31... reporters are starting to throw Panthers' names into the hat for their midseason awards. Yeah, that's definitely and... something I'm noticing. Okay, but when, yeah. but when 31 Thoughts records this week, and the only mention of the Panthers is that the Rangers are interested in Alexander Barkov, give me a fucking break. <laughs> there are 30 teams in the yeah. NHL that should be interested in Alexander of Barkov. Of course. are interested in Alexander Barkov. That of guy, course. Everybody the one him. that isn't is the one that already has him and doesn't need to trade for him. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, like, early season, everyone was obsessed about Montreal's hot start. Then they went to Toronto, which is obvious because it's the North Division. But now it's the, like, they, everyone looked at the standings like, oh, my God, the Islanders are good. And everyone's talking about the Islanders. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, wait a minute, the Panthers have been at the top of the standings. It's been one of the most surprising stories in the NHL. And, like, nobody is really noticing. I'm just kind of like, like, T- Jacob, you mentioned it. 
two Florida teams are sitting at the top of the NHL and hell, there's a Vegas team in the desert that's sitting on top of the West. Like the Sun Belt is just is dominating the NHL right now. And no one's really talking yeah, about Florida it. men destroy right, me hockey league. Time. There you go. That's the headline. <laughs> you, well, look, just putting it in a different perspective. Would you want to be reading articles and listening to podcasts about the Arizona coyotes? If they were in first place in the West division, like the Panthers are, would Absolutely. you really care that much? <laughs> yes. About- <laughs> because like, it would be like so that. remarkable for Arizona to be in first place in the league after but that's flipping half their roster. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> that's what they're saying about the Panthers though, even though, yeah, I, the roster is good and all that. But I mean, at the end of the day, p- people look at teams, they look at logos, they look at, you know, the Panthers are traditionally mm-hmm. there. This is a regional we care. league. We're down here. That's our team. People so, care about their course. teams. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody gets um, mad um, about um, the Panthers when they're winning for whatever reason. It's like, oh, the the crappy teams are taking away wins from from Montreal and Toronto. Rah, 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 rah. It was like, eh. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It gets a little annoying after a while. So yeah. as long as the teams do well, I don't really give a shit what anybody is covering. Yeah, yeah. There you there go. go. Yeah, I love it, Dave. It's good for us. And and you know when they're talking about award season, I think that the players are getting treated fairly. Like people are talking about Barkup for the Selkie as they should be. People are talking about Quenville for the Jack Adams as they should be. So Bill Zito for Jam of the Year should be a very very legitimate possibility. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if we were going to give it to Bergevin for the first week of the season, Zito for considering he made a first line. For, with Markov and a two million and a half dollar player is like, are you kidding me? Generally speaking, I hate the GM of the year award because Sorry. being a GM should like being a good GM is a is a big picture long term process, and there's no there should almost never be a time where a GM in one season can make enough of a change Preach. to get that award. But in this situation, you've got a rookie GM who comes in, flips half a roster, and turns the Panthers into a contender just like that. That's GM of the year material. He's not done either. Because you guys got me thinking trade-wise. I may not have an idea yet what they're looking to bring in, but they've got pieces that they can move if they want to. Whether it's a Brett Connolly or they've got several young guys that they could possibly move. Whether it's a Denisenko or a Tippett or a whoever. Um, So... I don't think Zito's done. And he, say what you want, rookie GM. He came in and he immediately had his finger on yep. the pulse yep. of this team. Like what move? <laughs> yeah. The worst move that he made was what? Vinny Hinnestroza because he's not playing that much. Marcus Nudevara. Um, I don't even but, think Nudevara was that bad. Of he's a just move. Been well, hurt. I mean, he's he, Hinnestroza wasn't a bad move. So I agree with that. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're both depth guys on most teams. We're, 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 we're really it. searching. Yeah, it's the least great move, really. No, well, that's you my know. point. It's like he made these moves, and the worst, the worst ones, as I put up air quotes, are ones that are still contributing and helping the roster and not hurting the team. Everything he right. did worked. Yeah, and speaking of, of two transactions that he made that really worked, we, we try not to talk about individual games too Which much two? because so it's many. a weekly podcast, and also you don't want to get lost in the weeds. But we finally got to see Verhege Duclair Barkov again, and my God. He's still my yeah, heart. The, the line has been just gangbusters all year, obviously. But they come in and, and three goals for as a line in the game against the Blackhawks, who, you know, 
not one of the best teams in the league, but also having a pretty remarkable season based on their expectations and not an easy team nice to score Patrick on. Cannon, Kevin Lankin, not and an easy team, like the team as a whole is playing Kevin that Lankin. well. I mean, there are some guys that are that are having decent seasons that aren't those two guys, but you know, nothing amazing. Those two, Duclair and Verhage, are, are really the I would say the the two best moves that Zito made, bringing the, them in, having team control on them beyond their current really cheap contracts and plugging them in next to Barkov, suddenly having more success with him than he ever had with the likes of Yager and Huberto and Dadanov and Hoffman. Just an unbelievable turn of events for us as Panthers fans to have all that expensive talent next to Barkov and for it to not pay off in terms of the team success. And now, you know, going off the bargain bin and it's working out better than it ever has before. And part of that is that Barkov is playing better than he ever has before. But, you know, just... But like it, it's almost a chicken and egg situation. Is Barkov playing the best that he ever has because he finally has line mates that work for him, or is the line working because Barkov is playing the best hockey of his career? Working a little bit of both, yeah, but I, probably both. You look at just look at all the forward lines. I think every line has at least two players that were not on the team last year. Whether it's the top line with Verhage and Duclair, the second line with Wenberg and Hornquist, the third line with Tippett, Lusterinen the fourth line with whoever's playing left wing and um, Lamico, like there's been so much turnover with this team and it doesn't feel like it because the main components are still there churning away. Yeah, our, our top line is $8.6 million against the cap. Uh, <laughs> right? Like Barkov, yeah. Verhagian, Ver- Duclair, $8.6 million. That's and, and less a, than Austin Matthews five. makes. And Austin Matthews has fewer hats than <laughs> okay. Nola Chari. So. Like that makes me just want to go and bring like some cookies to Bill Zito's house yeah. and just something like, you know, like, right. <laughs> you know? Well, is it, does it, is it Bill Zito or the scouts who identified these players? It's, it's a little bit well, of both. We need somebody in the GM chair that the knows who to listen to. Them. I mean, that's yeah. the primary job yeah. of a GM these yeah, days. He the can't the be day, everywhere. One guy's making the decision. One guy's writing the checks. Right. You got to have the guys to find them and the guys to, the guys to know how to, how to negotiate. And right now we've got both working very well. Guy. Hey, I'm just saying, like, you know, too long we the Panthers had a GM who just did not listen to anybody and only listened to his gut, and it just drove the Panthers into the tank. And finally, Bill Zito comes in, starts listening to some of the smarter people in the organization, and kicks the dumb ones to the curb. And look at the results we're having immediately. I'm not saying Bill Zito doesn't deserve a ton of credit. I'm just saying, like, there's smart guys that were in the room that were getting ignored for too long, and they're finally being listened to. And holy shit, the team is good. And it's a lot of it is because of these guys that were brought in on the recommendations of some of the I think people. this is the exact reason that Bill Zito does deserve a lot of credit, though, because that's, yeah, that's what management these days is supposed to do. I remember, and I'm kind of going out of you know this box to talk about this, but uh, when uh, Louis Van Hall, who was the manager of Manchester United at the time, was talking about what <laughs> was in the <laughs> management styles in the modern day game, he was like, you know, basically a lot of it is delegating, and I think that's true. You basically just have to know who to gele- delegate to, how to evaluate how they're doing in yep. their job, and Bill Zito so far has done, you know. 98 99 out of 100 things right yeah well i mean you look at the guys he hired he hired a bunch of guys that he worked with over the years that he was super familiar with that he's friends with they already had relationships they knew okay this is your specialty this is your specialty and as you as you guys said it's working it's working extremely well the panthers are running like a well-oiled machine from Mm -hmm. on the ice to the coaches 
to the coach's room, to the front office. Uh, it's uncharted territory, but it's nice. <laughs> of course. Definitely uncharted territory for us Panthers fans. Let's let's talk about this game last night real quick, not to go full recap, but I mean, I think we can all kind of conclusively agree based off of the first two times we saw the Blackhawks end last night. There's, there's a huge gap between these two teams when it comes to talent level, right? Like, Blackhawks are a fraud. I, I, I think the Panthers are this early, but this is like a good thing to see. And I want to see the Panthers play the stars more. Because th- there's a there's an upper class and a bottom class in this division for sure. I don't know how much you can really take on the fact from the fact that they're beating up on the Predators, they're beating up on the Jackets. Like those teams stink. I can't believe how bad they are, but like we have to face facts. They're awful. The only but like we've also played Tampa three times and have the underlying yeah. edge again. The only team that's really dominated us is Carolina and, and have they? Other than yeah. that one game, oh, they, they did. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. They two three of the underlying numbers. Time three of the dominated so, us all year. Even the game we won, Carolina had the well. The, the, the two games that were in Sunrise, the Panthers were the better team. The two games that were in Carolina the Hurricanes were the better team. It was a little bit more pronounced in Carolina that the Hurricanes played better than the Panthers did than vice versa. But you do have to say that those two games that they lost in overtime, they should have won. No, I think just overall, like when you look at, you look at the season as a whole, you see Florida against most teams, against the Nationals, the Columbus, the, the Detroits for the most part, that Florida is a better team. They control the puck for maybe 60, 70% of the game, if not more. And that's what we're, we're used to seeing. Then you see them play a team like Carolina, where it's much more back and forth, where Carolina is basically trying to do what Florida does, possess the puck, use their speed, create rushes, dominate the neutral zone. And it's, it's a lot tougher game to see. So when you go from seeing 75% of the games where Florida looks great and they're controlling the play, and then you get them against a team like Carolina, where it's, it's so gummed up it looks more even that that's why it feels like Carolina has got the Panthers number just as they give, they've given the Panthers a harder time than anybody else this season, even Tampa. Right. Say what you want about the lightning, but two of those three games, Florida was definitely the better team. And even the the game they lost six to one, that was just like one bad period, which look, it's going to happen, especially to a team like Tampa. So with Carolina, I I really want to see that as a playoff series, just as I think they will beat the shit out of each other. Hopefully you come out on top at the end. I think Florida has the edge has the edge in goaltending. And in terms of talent up front, I think they're pretty even. Defensively, I think Florida has the edge there as well. When he got Ekblad, we got Weger, we got Yandel that can jump in with the points. I mean, Carolinas, I, uh, they've got some uh, real Dougie guys Hamilton in the blue and Jacob line. Slavin and Brett Pesci yeah. and uh, Dougie Hamilton. I, I agree. Jake was uh, banned for Dougie Hamilton. The crap out of me in a playoff. I love Dougie Hamilton. Uh, I just, I think that would be one great series that I'm, I'm I would. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Oh, hopefully yeah. it happens. Yeah, hopefully it does. Reg- regard- regardless of who ends up two and three in the, in the, uh, the Florida Hockey Now Central Division, <laughs> it's going to be an amazing series, whether it's Tampa, Florida, Florida, Carolina, or Tampa, Carolina. Like, that's going to be the best first-round series in the yes. NHL. It best won't get the scenario most- is we find a way to weasel into winning Absolutely. our division and we get to play Chicago in the first or round. Dallas, <laughs> exactly. Know, that's 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 the dream scenario it's it's, it's right honestly there. as long as tampa doesn't give yeah. themselves their their free trade ship at before the deadline you know and get kucherov back because all of a sudden he's skating and we're all forgetting that yeah, yeah that's 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 <laughs> a little suspicious isn't it we all knew that was coming and the fact that the of nhl course. still is so blatantly bad about like how they're handling ltir i mean chicago is going to have like 40 million of ltir next season with seabrook and all these guys that are 
that are that can't play anymore. It's 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 a joke what the NHL has done with their LTIR and how they little known fact the R in LTIR actually stands for retirement for Chicago. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically the NHL's luxury tax. It really right. is. No, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And that's why Florida didn't <laughs> but, pay yeah. it with Luongo. That's why they were like, oh, he's got to retire. As we come to a grinding halt, as well, just groan at how <laughs> inept the NHL is at, at writing up a CBA that can't be taken yeah, advantage of. It's but uh, hey, Tommy sighting. Tommy sighting. Yes, that's that. That is my son on the podcast making his presence known. He is clearly upset with the uh, with the with NHL the way, with yeah. the NHL. <laughs> And uh, I think he's also signaling to me that David needs to go be a real world and take care of his own son. And David, thank you so much for joining us. Any final thoughts on the Panthers or life or video games before you leave us? Uh, Video games. I did buy NHL, whatever the new one is recently, because I, I, it's so bad. I I just wanted to start playing video games and I apparently am too much of a snob to play with any rosters that aren't the exact rosters that are happening right now. (laughs) So I actually had to go out and buy a game just to do that. Um, but no, the Panthers, look, I think anybody listening, you can blame me, but I think it's safe to go ahead and buy into this team. They're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to win around in the playoffs, depending where they, I, I, I don't think I'm not worried about Tampa or Carolina in that they're dominant team over the Panthers. I think it's pretty even. I think the Panthers are right there with the best teams in the league. And I'm really excited to see how it plays out, but I think it's safe to let your guard down and enjoy this team. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's time to, if you're a casual hockey fan, it's time to pay attention. If you are a diehard Panthers fan, it's time to get your, your casual sports fans, friends and family to, you know, pay attention to this team. Like, they're really good. They're they're just as good as the Heat this year. And they're actually better than the Heat when it comes to actually winning regular season games. But, like, they have a shot to do something this year. And it, it's time to pay attention. Thank you so much, David. We're going to let you go here. Thank you so much for your time. We would uh, we would love to have you on again and do a, a full guest spot with us for an hour and a half like ian but you know today is not that day um we'll plan one out definitely definitely it's hard to find we'll, time we'll, when you're a dad i'm sure you know that now but we'll oh it's that. really hard trust me you like the crying i'm just like okay uh <laughs> my, wife, my wife's still yeah well if, if my mother-in-law wasn't here i'd have just walked off the off the, the zoom and gone and take care of him because i know my wife had a rough night last night so she's sleeping in a bit good stuff all right and that was goalie dad right. corner the goalie dad corner there we go we'll, we'll leave it at that that's a podcast in its own right <laughs> why don't you guys start that one up and uh, bring in ian once he has a kid yes carrying my goalie glove out of the room <laughs> all right david it's been a pleasure oh as always we look forward to having you i, I just I, I just thought of the imaging of that like the diaper in one hand in the goalie glove using the blocker to change the diaper mask and full gear on to protect from the, the spraying of piss everywhere like oh There's god like that'd a be a great comedy movie in there somewhere oh, yeah. this is, oh absolutely this is definitely that g-rated movie <laughs> that g-rated movie and this is goon part three where he rooms with like the weird yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> yep yep it's goon three their pg version the family version <sighs> all right we got to find a way to include all right david thank you so much my pleasure guys go panthers have a good night or have a good day man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your have yeah. a good time we're gonna i'm gonna yeah. endorse chirping the cats also uh just put another oh, episode yes. with uh with ian who was the guest on our previous episode as well so based on your listening to this you like david you like ian so it's a no-brainer go listen to that all right thanks again to david uh we did talk about the chicago game but one important thing that we didn't bring up 
is that the exorcism of the reverse retro jersey is now underway. The the curse, at least. The curse of the reverse retro jersey <laughs> is over. And the Leaping Cat has its first win since 2016. Uh, you know, cat. I hadn't really even thought about it that way. But I yeah, I guess the last, last night, yeah. the last time that the Leaping Cat won a game was uh, four. against the Islanders in the 2016 postseason. Right. The last time, so, yeah. Troshek was getting tripped. <laughs> oh, speaking of Trocek, sad face. He is injured for quite uh, a while, unfortunately. For an amount of, of time that Rob Brindamore said that he is unhappy with. Uh, yeah, a lot of pr- premier centers got injured this week. Trocek got hurt. Eichel. Don't put that out into the world, Alex. We don't want anything happening to sweet boy Sasha. Well, I was going <laughs> to say Sasha needs to get moved to wing for this exact reason. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking speaking of Sasha, I mean, two goals last night against Chicago. Uh, and then unfortunately, assist. was not able uh, to complete the hat trick, even though he was on the ice with the empty net. But Sasha Barkov should win the Selkie yeah. this year, just like outright. Mm-hmm. Like there, I don't think there is anyone who should challenge him for. You know it who the year. guy that was challenging him for it was, and and this is kind of funny. It was Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel was having a phenomenal <laughs> defensive season. Couldn't put the puck in his net in the net to save his life. And not- right. And that, by the way, I, I don't mean to say that like no other forward is having a strong defensive season. But the fact is that the Selkie is given on a combination of your reputation as a defensive mm-hmm. forward and your offensive counting stats. Mm-hmm. It's not reputation, obviously, it's performance, <laughs> but. Well, no, it's it's reputation. Well, what I'm saying is that it's not. I'm not. I'm not saying that like if people think you're good defensively, you have to be good defensively at some point in your career to earn the reputation of being a good defensive forward. For example, Barkov was rarely actually given to the best defensive forward. It's given to the guy with the best reputation as a defensive forward who has a weirdly good offensive season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's used, really what like, the Selkie is given. 15 and years ago, Sasha Barkov is hitting that criteria this year. Yeah. Oh, he's slightly, you know, he's, he's above a point per game. His, you know, his d- defensive metrics are off the charts. Unfortunately, the voters, most of the voters don't look at the defensive metrics, but his plus minus, which they do look at for inane reasons, is excellent this year. Like, there is no reason to not give it to Barkov unless. You're just everyone's only following their divisions. And that's unfortunately almost certainly going to be the case in terms of most of the awards that, you know, writers are, are following the East and the North. That's who's, that's the games everyone's watching. So, you know, you got Bergeron, assuming he stays healthy, he's going to get, he's going to get votes. Couturier is going to get votes. And then for reasons that won't make any sense to anyone except Canadians, uh, Austin Matthews is going to get votes for the Selkie, but the by far the best two-way center in or two-way player in the NHL this year is Alexander Barkov. Like his defensive expected goals metrics are insane. Mm-hmm. They, like the the third, he's in the third standard deviation for everything. It's unbelievable. And and this is really the difference. I think we we talked about earlier previous seasons. Barkov's line has been good, and this year. It's just getting it done in both ends. It's playing with against yeah. other teams' top lines and winning every night. And, you know, he doesn't even need the elite offensive players or even elite defensive players on his wing to get it done. Because, you know, with all respect due to Anthony Duclair and Carter Verhage, 
neither one of them is a guy that you're like, well, Barkov's playing with him. So we have to take that into account when evaluating Barkov that, you know, he's getting propped up a little bit and, you know, Anthony Duclair does make a player better, but not, not a superstar player. Barkov we're talking about. And, you know, last season in particular, when Barkov was out there, the Panthers were getting scored on a lot. They were scoring a lot too, but it wasn't like it is this year where they're getting out there. They're playing against other teams, best players. They're playing in the defensive zone, you know, at least as much, if not more than in the offensive zone, at least in terms of when they're deployed, when, where they're starting and they're still tilting the ice. I mean, he's, if not number one, I didn't look at this recently, but one of the 10 best for sure expected goals, five on five players in the league. And the the Panthers are a good expected goals team. They're one of the five best, but he's by far and away the highest contributor to that particular stat. And, you know, the offense is there. And another thing that I think will help him for the one, the voters that do pay attention to this stuff is that nobody else is really having an outstanding defensive season among the guys that you would typically expect to be Selkie candidates. Uh, Anze Kopitar is having a really strong year, but the Kings are a weak defensive team. So his defensive impact might not be as uh, stated as with Barkov having. It's actually, it's pretty close. He's, he's having a pretty close to average defensive year for, for his standards, I guess. But the, the Kings are such a, no, like wrap them okay. chart. Well, like the, the Kings are such a bad defensive team. I think that might, that might yeah. uh, skew things Maybe. a little bit, but he's having a, a very good year. His, uh, his line is always doing well. Uh, and, you know, in contrast to the other players on the team that just uh, not very good. But, you know, that's really there, it. There is no viable there is no viable candidate to give the award to over Barkov. There isn't someone where you can say, oh, player, you know, Bergeron is doing X better than Barkov. And that's why he should get mm-hmm. the award. There is no other real candidate right now. The only way Barkov doesn't win if the award was handed out today is because writers are lazy and default to oh, there's no one really standing up because we're not paying attention to the Panthers. Give it to Bergeron. But again. see, that's that's the thing, Alex. I think laziness would actually benefit Barkov mm-hmm. in this Plus case. Minus. Because he has the reputation as an extremely strong defensive forward, and he also has 31 points in 27 games this year. And And as much as I hate to say it, he is a plus 10 through 27 games. Not like that said, that stat matters to me personally, but or anyone look on at that. 31 points and a plus 10 with a reputation as a defensive forward that Barkov has. If the season ends today, laziness is winning Barkov the award. It also plays into that awards trope that it, it goes into a little bit of every award that the team wasn't expected to be good, but they're good. And see, I'm actually not sure if that applies for the Selkie. Every it applies the Jack Adams, I think, is yeah, the coach yeah. who dragged his team kicking and screaming into the playoffs. GM um, of the year award is that GM of well, GM of the year is usually, I think, just given to like this team did extremely well, yeah. and we're obviously going to credit the guy that built the team, even though there's so much more that goes into GM quote unquote. I, yeah. I, we hit on this at the beginning of the episode, I know, but it's a bad award. GM of the year award is the fucking Stanley Cup, yeah. Like, that, that's that's it, that's yeah. a GM's reward for building a strong team. Uh-huh. Moving on. And also, it's just not a job <laughs> that gets done in a year. You know, a GM has to think long term. 
Right. Unless you're Bill right. Zito. Unless you're fucking you know Bill Zito, who should be the front runner for GM of yeah. the year right now because he's only had one year and look at we the We brought results. up a, an excellent thing um, to segue to, but before we transition off of the Barkoff or Selkie uh, piece of the episode, and I know I've sucked up on the oxygen on this topic a lot. I do want to acknowledge that. But um, I was listening to a podcast uh, with a, a couple of Canadian journalists, and uh, it, it was the PDO cast, and Dmitry Filipovich is a Barkov uh, fanboy. But um, Chris Johnson was actually the, the first one to say that he had Barkov at the top of his Selkie ballot. So that is something to uh, potentially look out for. A very notable uh, Leafs writer also. I think he covers the I know, I know he, he works for Sportsnet, Yeah, I think he's I a national he, writer, but I mean, he is in Toronto. He's a national guy, but he, he is a Toronto yeah, guy. I mean, so if, if we're getting, if, if Barkov's getting, uh, getting love from Chris Johnston, that's, that's going to help. Yeah, I think it will. He's a very respected member of the PHWA. Yes. And he's, um, he's a smart guy. You know, a lot of the PHWA guys yeah. are not as smart. <laughs> <laughs> not naming okay, names. Um, uh, just, just David Ward. Just, just kidding, David. The, no, just to, <laughs> just to close out the Barkov for Selkie thing, I'm sitting here on, uh, on Evolving Hockey's GAR table. Uh, the even strength defense per 60 minutes in, in their GAR tables, I limited it to forwards who have played at least 400 minutes so far. Barkov is second in the NHL in even strength defense per 60 minutes among forwards with at least 400 minutes behind shockingly only Joe Pavelski. Wow. Uh, the wow. difference between the two in defense is not very large. It's 0.006, but the difference in their even strength offense, I'll put it this way. Pavelski is negative Ooh. in even strength offense per 60 minutes. Barkov is not. Yeah. So he's just like, anywhere you look right now will tell you that Alexander Barkov deserves the Selkie, finally. It is his turn. He didn't deserve it the last two years. He was kind of, he, he was living up reputation the last two seasons. This year, there is no The pieces are coming to together for, him. for Barkov. He should 100% win it. I also extremely strongly believe that he should at least be a heart finalist. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I it's going to go to Austin Matthews or win. McDavid. Be in the top it's going to go to on one of those two. Just, just to put that out there. He really? Would probably be fourth. I, I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else, but my ballot would probably Assuming be Austin Matthews and McDavid. Who is third? Oh, I would put Vasilevsky at the top of my heart ballot. I wouldn't even That's think fair. about it. Like he's, <laughs> he's, this is the best goaltending season I can remember. Let me put it that yeah. way. It's there's, there, is, there is also the debate about how you define the heart. Do you define it as most outstanding player or do you define it most as valuable the player, player most valuable to their yeah. team? And I don't want to get into there, that. There is that debate. Yeah. Either yeah. way, I think Barkov deserves to be a finalist, yeah, I, which is why I'm so confident that he I, will I'm be. a little bit peeved that people aren't putting Vasilevsky in their heart top three. But... He should he'll, be. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll win the Vesna. It doesn't yeah. matter. He'll get his he'll get his own piece of yeah, silver. J- just to, just to wrap up that conversation on my my side before I let Alex finish what he was saying, uh, I would probably go Vasilevsky, McDavid, Matthews, Barkov, Kane. That's probably what I would do. Fair, fair. All right, TJ, you said you had another top. What was next thing you uh, want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I, I did kind of want to give a little bit of awards talk just to, in terms of the Panthers. Um, so, which do you guys want to talk about first? Uh, Q for Jack Adams or Ekblad for Norris? Honestly, I don't want to talk about the Jack Adams. Yeah. It's like, hey, which team is going to do it? Like, yes, Q should be in the conversation for Jack Adams. 
what he's done Q this will, year. If, if the Panthers hold their position in the standings, Q will win the Jack yeah. Adams. Yeah. Old, the Jack old, Adams is given to the coach that team. surprises yeah. the NHL with how well their mm-hmm. team does. Yeah. That's, that's what the Jack Adams is. But the reality is Q has pushed the right buttons this year yeah. in terms of like he put Duclair and Verhage on the top line with Barkov and he did it from game one. Like we, we, we saw how good those two were in the in that preseason scrimmage and how they just dominated both for Hagee and Duclair were dominant in that preseason scrimmage. And all of a sudden they were on the top line. Like that takes guts from Q to just to throw away the Barkov Huberto connection that had been money for the Panthers for five plus years. Yep. And not only did he separate them, which normally like the conventional wisdom in the modern NHL is your best three forwards are on a line together on the top line. He separated them and he was right. I mean, I was skeptical at first because, again, conventional wisdom says you don't separate Barkov and Huberto. He did it, and he was right, and now he's got two legitimate scoring threat lines. See, it's, it's interesting because if you also think back to Joel Quenville's tenure with the Blackhawks, he's not a stranger to going against the grain with that piece of conventional wisdom. Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane did not, like, they shared plenty of time on a line together, but there was also plenty of time where they Traditionally were Traditionally not playing together, I believe. The, the 2015 Blackhawks team, I believe, the top line was like Brandon Saad, Jonathan Taves, and Brian Bickle, I think. And the second line was Kane, Artem Anisimov, and Artemi Panarin. When you can get Artemi Panarin on an ELC at 25, like, oh, it's unfair. But, yeah, yeah. Right. but okay. like, Quenville, Quenville is no stranger to separating. Well, actually, in that situation, I guess he is a stranger to it because Kane and Panarin were your two best forwards. But it was also their second line. But right. also, Taves and Kane were, like, the two guys. Taves and Kane were the Barkov and Huberto in this situation. Mm. So Quenville is no stranger to spreading talent across across a lineup. Final thoughts on Jack Adams talk before I uh, make a hot take or at least a little bit of uh, embracing debate. For, for uh, Rod Brindamore should also. Yeah, be he's a been he's been great this year. <laughs> he should be a finalist every year. What he does as that coach of that team is outstanding. And he's also newer to the job. He's, yeah. This is only his second yes. year, right? Second or third year. Uh, really good job by Rod Brindamore. I I, I think that. So what's, uh, what's your hot take? Okay, so we're transitioning and. Um, <laughs> I, we see a lot of talk about, you know, Ekblad could be in the Norris conversation. My, my hot take slash uh, embrace debate question is, are, are we sure he's even the best defenseman on this team? Because- we are not because it's Radko Gudis. I will die on that hill. I was going to say, Mackenzie Weger has been outstanding. I will die on the hill that Radko Gudis has been our best defenseman this year. Okay. Let, let, let me pause for a second. Instead of talking Norris, just because I don't, I, I think we're all kind of in agreement. Ekblad's had a good year and can be in the conversation, but he's not no. a finalist. Let's talk about no, this Panthers is. defense. Okay. Let me actually, the Norris is another one that reputation earns you a lot of points. Reputation and counting stats earn you a lot of points for the Norris. Ekblad is having his best offensive season. I believe he still leads the uh, all NHL defensemen in goals. Problem is a lot of his counting stats come from the power play. Problem for the way I like to evaluate players personally. But the fact remains that if his counting stats keep up, he will be in the Norris conversation, even if he doesn't deserve it based on his five-on-five play this year. Okay, but because I agree. Doesn't. But let's move to the Panthers team defense because it's night and day different than last year. Oh yeah. And, and there really hasn't been that many changes. 
I mean, you brought in Radko Gudis and then whoever is... <laughs> what do you mean? You bring in the new team's best defenseman. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Uh, I know, yeah, the goals of public replacement chart. Live by the chart, die by the chart. Radko Gudis is the Florida Panthers' best defenseman this year. Yeah, and he's, in, li- in usage against lesser competition, I do have to allow for that Yeah, that, that is like one I, of the big reasons why Keith Yandel has, I think, the best expected goals metrics of any of the Panthers' defensemen. It's just because that usage. Radko Gudis is currently he hasn't been fourth in the NHL in goals above replacement. Wow. Yeah, Radko <laughs> Radko Gudis has been outstanding. Like, and it's McDavid, Drysidle, Sam Gerrard, Radko Gudis. That is the top. Yeah, four. It, it is kind of annoying to me that, like, even with people that are fans of the Panthers, even people that want to shine a positive light on him, it's still mostly about the hits. It's still mostly about you know how hard he hits guys, which is you know it's fun to watch that as a fan. But I don't know how impactful that necessarily is. And how good he is defensively well, is on. pretty impactful. Hold on. Let, let me step in here. Hitting absolutely is impactful. There is something to be said for a player who can, you know, knock you into last week while if you aren't paying attention. That, that fear is there. That absolutely, if you're making a stretch pass across the ice and, and you're passing it to Radko Gudis' side, you have to worry about being taken out. There is a fear factor in there. Is it the most valuable thing? No, but it is value. It does add value where a lot of these defensemen that are, are big hitters lose, lose and destroy all of their value is all they can do is hit people. And yeah, they may take someone out at the blue line, but the puck still squirts behind them that, you know, F2 picks it up and it's now an odd man rush, but you got the big hit. It's the Eric and Branson problem. They're, you don't have that with Radko Gudis. Radko Gudis lays people out and, and brings that fear factor without ever jeopardizing the defensive zone. And that's what makes him valuable. Yeah. And I, so I agree with you. It's very annoying that you've got the, you know, old school Panther fans who it's all about where it's all about hits. And it's like, oh, look how good Gudis is. Gudis is good because he hits people. No. One of the things Gudis does well is hit people. But what makes him so good is that he defends the defense. He defends his net at an elite level while hitting mm-hmm. people. And the fact that they don't make that connection is very frustrating. But the reality is Radko Gudis has been outstanding for the Panthers. And he is absolutely the biggest reason why this defense went from constantly giving up odd man rushes to one of the better ones in the NHL. Yeah, I think that part of the reason that Ekblad had great looking charts last year and now all of a sudden the charts don't look so great is that the other players on the team that he's being compared to with all those relative metrics aren't as weak because Radko Gudis is here. And to an extent, Gustav Forsling is also helping with a lot of those possession stats. I think that he's a player that's going to have better metrics than I actually think of him as a player this year. Like, I don't think he's been bad. I think he's been a top six defenseman, but I also have had my issues with the way that he's played not necessarily something I'm going to dive into right now, but um, I do want to point out that 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 pairing had a rough game on Saturday. And uh, part of the reason why Columbus jumped out to that 4-1 lead, or sorry, Thursday, Thursday, they were fine on Saturday. And um, that is something that maybe Q should look at and say, uh, you know, Radko Gudis has been playing so well without Gustav Forsling. We don't want to jeopardize that by having this kind of odd combination. Uh, and trying to make it work. 
Yeah, I mean, Forsling, Forsling has been a net neutral for this team. He's He's been pretty effective at driving play offensively, yeah. uh, but he's been a reasonable liability, an equal part liability uh, defensively, and his overall impact on the game evens itself yeah, out. Yeah, I, I, what we're seeing from him Which is like above-average third-pairing defenseman, and if you can get that sure. on the waiver wire, you did well. Bill Zito for GM of the year. Is he a top four defenseman? I would say no. Perhaps he can still improve. He's still kind of young, but I don't want to say, oh, you know, he's 25. His best years are still ahead of him because I don't believe that in terms of at least aging curves. Yeah, I, I think Forsling is who he is at this point. Yeah, he, it, he is who he is. And the he's value- a six, seven guy. Fine. You need six, seven guys. I would say he's a five. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Oh, you're splitting like hairs. overall yeah, yeah, or yeah. on this team? Oh, on this team, because... he's probably a four. <laughs> uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Eckblad, Weger, Gudis, Yandel. Yandel five on five, though? I don't know. He's, he's been, been better. Season. Look, okay, let's, let's as let's, a four or five, to be fair. Let's backtrack for one second. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we have kind of talked about it before. No, we need to spend 40 minutes on Gustav Forsling. Yeah. Um, because this is our brand. Yeah, the Panthers, but the Pan- no, but I, I want to go back to something else. The Panthers got shit on by everyone for how they treated Yandel at the beginning of the season and with the streak and potentially scratching him and all of that. It worked. Yeah. We're seeing a much different Keith Yandel this year compared to any year prior to his in his Panther tenure. Look, he's still not a great defensive defenseman. He's not like he's going to get walked. He got walked yesterday to give up that opening goal. He's going to like those things are going to happen with Keith Yandel, but they're happening much less often. He ha- he's breaking down much less. In the, he's he's turning the puck over less in the defensive zone. He's getting walked less. He's doing a much better job. So we can say oh, like the Panthers took a ton of bad press for how they treated Keith Yandel at the beginning of the year, but it worked because they're getting a much better Keith Yandel in 2021. Yeah, in that like half court mode of defense when you know all 10 players are in the Panthers zone below the dots he's been about as good as anybody else has been defensively yeah in transition he has had troubles and I mean that I think that's typically been more of his problem defensively but you really can't complain about the way that he's been playing below the dots when the puck is in the Panthers defensive zone and all 10 players are there and that's where bad defensemen especially bad you know bad defensive defensemen get exposed. It's in transition. It's when they, you know, their skating isn't, a, you know, just Keith Yandel is not as good as a skater as he used to be, but that's where bad defensemen get exposed. It's in transition and, you know, two on ones turn into two on O's and things like that. And, you know, but you're right below the dots when it's t- 10 men in the zone, Yandel's not getting lost. He's not making the crucial mistakes he was making last year. He's been really good. So again, I just wanted to credit the t- organization for you know actually playing it right for once, and they took the bad <laughs> PR hit, but they got they got a better player out of it, and I think everyone's better off. And the power of, play, yeah, great. You're you're, power you're still very good. You're still getting elite power play, and then the one thing I do like about Forsling, even though we really haven't seen him in that spot yet, is I think because of the way the Panthers have two defensemen on the top power play, I think Forsling should be your quarterback on the second PP. But Weaker could be either way. I, I like Forsling exists. better. I like Forsling better. A little bit better because he's just a lot more creative with the puck. 
I, I do like that they're giving Uyghur a little bit more rest to focus on the defensive side because that's he's their, he's their best defensive defenseman. I don't think that's really much of a controversial take. Um, so I, I actually just took a look at uh, Natural Stat Tricks uh, ATOI for Panthers defensemen uh, at five on five specifically. If you remove Riley Stillman's one game and Kevin Connaughton's uh, five games, Yandel is the sixth most used or actually one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, he's the sixth most used defenseman at five on five at thirteen fifty-two right. per game. That sounds it's right. Uyghur, Ekblad, Strawman, which fuck that. Uh Gudis, Nutivara, Yandel. So he's played more than Forsling, typically. Interesting. No I mean, Forsling is not oh, a good Sorry, I five. forgot about Forsling. Yeah, fourteen fourteen games, fifteen minutes. It's Uyghur, Ekblad. Strawman, Gudis, Forsley, Nudivari, Yandel. So he's oh, actually seven. seventh. Okay, interesting. Okay, so they're doing a good job of hiding Yandel, and he's not making the crucial mistakes he made in the past. I mean, he's still making mistakes. Like, yeah, he got walked yesterday, but he's not crushing this team anymore. Whenever Yandel makes a mistake, it will be pointed out much more than any of the six other guys. Well, he's today. judged very harshly. Well, yes. in, in in fairness, he's got a big ticket. Yeah, which, there you go. That's that's a he's got to and again this is a question of reputation. Keith Yandel has a reputation as a strong offense offensive defenseman who is not good defensively at even strength. So right. people love to harp on it and point it out when he makes mistakes. I think that we've covered the defense pretty exhaustively. Anybody want to point anything else out? I would just like to once again remind the world that Radko Gudis is the best defenseman to ever uh, play the sport of hockey. Radko Godas. Radko Godas. Yeah, just a uh, final take overall. Uh, don't just focus on Yandel and Strawman when talking about guys that are playing poorly defensively because Ekblad and Uyghur aside, the other guys have had pretty weak moments as well. And yeah. I think that uh, those guys get cornered because of the contracts, because of the reputation. That's true, but I digress. Let's talk about the forwards a little bit. And somebody that I definitely wanted to spend some time talking about is Owen Tippett. And I mean, definitely. It's night and day from the last time that he was in the lineup. It's it's like he remembered how to play hockey. We were talking yeah, about that last time. That's a good way to phrase it. That he didn't know it he didn't look like he knew how to play hockey. Like it's it's totally different. I don't really even know how to explain it. It's a different person. He's confident again. He saw the puck go in the back of the net that first game against Columbus, and all of a sudden the light just went went on. He looks like not only a competent player, he looks like the player the Panthers drafted in the, at number 11 overall a few years ago. He looks like a good hockey player, and he looks like someone that has a future. It's a small sample size, but you're finally Yeah, I mean, we're literally talking it. about, like, three games. But you're finally seeing it. Yeah. And, he's yeah. Making, like, and it's not just him shooting the puck. He's making good passes. Like, that blind backhand pass he made to Vetrano uh, was beautiful. Like, I, would, I wouldn't call it Barkov-esque, but, like, it was an outstanding pass. Mm-hmm. And um, you finally have a third line that I think now looks kind of cohesive. And, you know, you can move players around like Hugh likes to do. And I still think you have something that looks nice. Um, I remember in that Columbus game, he had out there for a little bit Hornquist. And it was either Wenberg or Lusteranen and Verhage. And Lusteranen. they had Lusteranen. And they had an outstanding shift that resulted in them cutting the deficit from 2-0 to 2-1. And uh, I, I really liked what I saw from that. And overall, I think that uh, Verhage 
and E2 have looked good together. So that's something that... <laughs> look, just like how it. I like sidestep right just, there. Just start going first name. You know what, TJ? That's a, that's a better idea. Start calling him by his first name until you're comfortable saying his last name right. Yeah. By the way, we <laughs> never talk about E2, but I think it's just because he's just steady all the time. He's never great and he's never terrible. So I just want I mean, to... I, you out know, there. I actually have not looked at his charts yet. I, I feel like you could improve on your third line center. You could. Okay. Yeah, no, he's I fine. Mean, the Panthers could improve at second line. Like, in an ideal world, they find a second line center and bump Winberg down to the third line, and E2 either takes over as the fourth line center or move, gets moved to the wing. But there are no second line centers out there right now. Eric Stahl's the best one, and he's honestly, I don't I see, still think we. I don't think he improves them that much. Try to get Philip Denau. I don't think he's available. Yeah, I, I, I say I this every week. I, I don't think logic. he's available. I do want to kind of talk about that a little later. Um, I want in terms of the forwards, um, I'm trying to think of what else I want to talk about. It was. Uh, I, I will just say, Tippett, um, just just to hit a little more on your Tippett point, uh, three games ago, uh, we're looking at March 1st uh, against Carolina. Uh, Owen Tippett had an expected goals percentage of 17.29. Bad. Then against Columbus – in the following game, 50.34. Better. Then in the game after that, 63.54 and 50.69. Nice. So nice. all of a sudden, something just clicked, like you said, and he's been a little more consistent and he's been a positive impact on expected goals percentage. He's becoming an NHL hockey player right before our eyes. Yeah, like this is what you want to see out of Owen Tippett because I don't think he's ever going to be that first-line, game-breaking, Philip Forsberg-type talent. What do I want to see from him? One, whenever you get the puck in the offensive zone, do something cool with it because (laughs) don't don't screw up everywhere else because like we were seeing neither in the early part of the season. Like he was playing so poorly in every other aspect of the game besides what you drafted him to do, which is, you know, make nice passes and snipe the puck from odd angles whenever you get the chance. He was just playing so poorly that he never got the opportunity to because the Panthers never had the puck in the offensive zone. Or when he had it on his stick, it was gone two seconds later. So now you're finally seeing him competent in the areas that he needs to be competent enough in so that he has a chance to take a one-time pass from Mackenzie Weger and put it in the back of the net from an angle nobody expected him to score from. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I will point out one thing. I did notice a negative yesterday, and it's a small negative because, it, I mean, it hurt the Panthers, but the game was already decided. Mm-hmm. On that, sec- that you know, second goal For the Black that uh, Blackhawks scored late, it was late in the shift, and Tippett tried a very risky pass that was – from about the hash marks to trying to get it cross ice to the point. And it would have been an amazing scoring opportunity for whoever the defenseman was, but the pass was intercepted. Blackhawks took it down and then buried that line who has already been out there for a long shift in the defensive zone. And then both eventually scores when you're up four one, you don't make that pass. You reverse chip it down, down deep into the zone because you don't want to turn over the puck there. It doesn't matter because they were up four one and, Winning 4-1, 4-2, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And that's why I think when you're up 4-1 is exactly when you try to make those risky plays because it's not the biggest deal if they don't work out. Fair enough. If that was a tie game and Tippett tries that shit and it leads to a goal that puts the Blackhawks ahead, I'm pissed. I'd rather, in situations like that, I'd rather see Tippett try and fail than just be boring. 
Well, see, I'm going to disagree with you there because you play to win the game. And Ty, like, if you get that wide open shot with two minutes left in a 2-2 game, you're like, holy shit, Tippett's awesome. You're right. I'm retroactively pissed because it didn't work. So either way, I want him making that play. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you play to win the game. Anyway, Thank you. Anyway, um, I think that the more egregious mistake that he made was two games ago, the Columbus first game, Panthers are up 4-2, to two, two and a half minutes to go. He gets a pass in the defensive zone. It looks like the breakout's about to occur. And I don't even know how bad, how he so badly received it that it ended up going like a completely different direction. 15 seconds of pressure for the Blue Jackets later. It's a six on four penalty kill for the Panthers. And the Jackets all of a sudden have life in this game that looked like the Panthers were cruising to a two goal victory. Of course, they did end up killing it off getting the two-goal victory in the end. Three-goal victory, because I think Verhage had the late empty. No, it was 4 Carter Verhage got me the 4-2 final. Oh, oh, okay. So they, they were only up by one. So it was even... It was 3-1 to 3-2, and then finished 4-2 with the Verhage empty netter. Right, yeah. So it, it looked even Which more... Which won me coins on Vigit, because I bet the spread for the Panthers. Sell out real quick, TJ. Yeah, let's, Jacob, sell sell out, out let's sell out at the end. But uh, Vigit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that's, that's something that I definitely noticed. And... You know, if he can cut that out and he can all of a sudden start being a threat on power play two and just in a spot up shooter role, like that's all you really need to stay in this lineup because, you know, that that sixth the winger spot, let's say, is definitely up for grabs. And if you can just do a little bit of something here and there, like it's it's definitely attainable. But uh, I digress. Uh, we already talked about Anthony Duclair coming back into the lineup looking great. Frank Vetrano. Frank Vetrano. Franklin the Tanklin. Scoring all that the time. You know, just, just doing outstanding stuff. Um, I want to wrap on this. We already kind of talked about it with David. But um, trade deadline, it's like Alex said. I think what, what this team really should be looking after acquiring, if it can, is a center. And I want to even elaborate on that by saying if Philip Deneau is not available and just because I think in terms of the asset value, he's going to be really undervalued right now. But the type of player that I think they should be looking at is a guy that is a scoring center, somebody that you don't necessarily need to be the strongest defensively that can help your second power play that can play with Huberto on the second line and contribute to scoring chances in a very sheltered role because that's what that second line is doing right now. Alex Wenberg is just not that guy. Like he's a fine player, but he's being miscast. He is not the kind of guy that you want in that role. And frankly, I know you guys are going to hate me saying this and I don't even necessarily advocate for it, but Max Domi's name was put on the trade block. And that's the kind of guy that I'm talking about. It's not going to be Max Domi because he's not good. He doesn't have the kind of chemistry with, he had one good hot season or a hot couple of months for the Montreal and got this reputation as someone who can be a, a top six center. He's not a top six center. But his no. five on five scoring that season was gen- genuinely very strong. No, he had pass. a hot he hard had a pass. hot couple of months. Hard it's a hard pass. pass. Nope. And it has nothing to don't do with like even the Ekblad incident. It's not even the Ekblad incident. I just don't think he's a good player. I I I mean Forget. I don't think he's a great player, but I think that that's he's the also kind of not a good person. <clears throat> yes, I agree with you. I'm going to throw a name out there that might actually be available. It's Philip Deneau uh, again. I'm going to be so mad. Or Jared McCann. You know, it wasn't, but now it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm i actually there, – there's, there's a Panther killer out there uh, who 
could very likely be moved by the deadline. Uh, and if we could, uh, if we could be the uh, beneficiaries of that, I would not mind. And I don't know if you really trust this as a 2C move or if this is more if you want to shore up your wings. Drum roll, please. Sam Reinhardt. He's not a center, though. He's not a center. He's a natural center who plays wing because nah, he never he, like he, totally he worked out as a center. He hasn't played NHL. center in like five years. I, I mean, I think Sam Reinhardt would be a good addition. I don't know if he's a Panther killer. He would be a he's great a, addition. He is, he is he a Panther a killer. Addition. If you I really look back him. at his scoring, like 10% of his career goals were against the Panthers. I think he'd definitely be a good addition in Buffalo. As, if they were smart, they'd be looking to <laughs> Fuck sell. Fuck it, Jack Eichel. That's our... Well, he's out for a long time, unfortunately. Yeah. Which, yeah. like, what... Hell of a time. Buffalo's dropped 10 straight, and now Eichel's out for God knows how long. And it's a neck injury. Yeah, like, if, if I was one of those dumb fans on HF boards, and I had that whole thing about, you know, the Panthers need a 2C that can score. It doesn't really need to be a guy that's all that good defensively. Somebody cheap. You know, like Jack Eichel. That would totally be the HF boards post. Somebody cheap, like $10 million Jack Eichel? Well, oh, I mean, no, because they would retain for they would retain 50% they would retain, for the next yeah, six years. True. No problem. Great point. And it would we, call we'd it. Give them, we'd give them an extra fifth round pick and you'd get $5 million retained. Yeah, I, I think that in the offseason, if Sam Reinhardt is still on the Sabres, I'll probably have a long article, podcast segment, whatever it is about how he would really be a good fit for the Panthers because they haven't had that kind of guy that's just a two-way wing beast since Riley Smith left. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. love to see Sam Reinhardt. I think Sam Reinhardt would be a great addition. I just don't think Buffalo is smart enough to actually ever hit the reset button considering they've had guys that they should have been trying to trade for the last three or four seasons. So and that brings up a different it. question, though. That brings up a question of, is Sam Reinhardt a core piece to Buffalo? Well, I mean, the, the problem is that the answer is yes, but he's, he's not necessarily old. But when are they going to be good again? I don't think it's going to be next year. And then the Absolutely year after not. that. It's going to be a real long. They, they need like a 2014 Maple Leafs kind of turnaround. They are in All right. Yeah, no so I was right. Go ahead, Alex. No, that they're, they're Buffalo is in jail with no chance of parole. They have no realistic avenue to turn around that roster because and they that don't have Jeff Skinner contract. Man, they don't have much cap space. Oh. They have tons of bad money on the books, and the reality is, like, they they need to get really lucky in the draft, and there really isn't that impact player this year. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe they find a, a you know, an Elias Pettersson type player who were in a. People, a draft that everyone thought was weak and all of a sudden there's a couple stars that are found in like the third or fourth overall spot but like they've got so much bad money i mean i'm looking on cap friendly okposo's got two more years god left. kyle okposo is still there i, I forgot mean, they they signed a bad contract in the offseason i didn't even think that was possible but grass Ristol linen's got two uh, a year left at 5.4 like they've just got so much bad money on the books mm-hmm. and like some of it comes off well they actually have a ton of cap space next year but they only have 11 guys signed but yeah they they're also just... god they're married to jeff skinner and nobody is gonna take on that deal mm-hmm. yeah this, i mean this is the issue uh, and when we're talking about sam reinhardt he's not an old player he's 25 years old but yeah. next year you got to throw it away that's his age 26 season now all of a sudden he's 27 years old and like he's not over the hill but you're probably not even ready to win then. You need a couple of years. So then he starts declining because he's well outside his 
age 24 to 26 prime, I consider that to be the most effective years of a player's career. And, you know, you're just starting to maybe make the playoffs, perhaps win a game or two in round one. And at that point, you also have to pray that you didn't screw up Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> this is the point where you, you're paying this guy a lot of money. And I don't know if they're, if they're better off doing that than trying to find a trade offer that can help them fill multiple spots in their lineup that need to be filled. So I mean, Buffalo needs to hit the reset button. They need yeah. to start over. They need to trade Jack Eichel and start over. But the reality is they keep resisting it. They should have traded Rasmus Ristolainen two or three seasons ago. And yet each season comes by and they haven't <laughs> traded him. He's so and he bad. Just, right. He just gets worse and worse. And now they can't get rid of him. Um, so that's like, they just need to hit the reset button. And I don't think they're going to Sam Reinhardt would be an excellent uh, t- target. Hell, maybe try and get Reinhardt and Eric Stahl off of them, even though, Eric Stahl really has fallen off this year. But if you can get him as a throw-in for nothing, like, you do it. Mm-hmm. Because we're running long, I don't really want to have a, a full segment on it. Maybe next week, because I still think he'll be on the Sabres. But when is the trade deadline? It's in like four weeks, weeks right? Okay, four weeks. Uh, yeah, I, the I, trade deadline is really close to the end of the season. Like, whoever the Panthers acquire is going to get, like, eight games in before the playoffs start. I, I think that you cannot discount the Buffalo effect when it comes to evaluating some of these guys. Like Eric Stahl was good, and then Buffalo. It just happens. Like it's it's yeah. a miserable place Jeff for a hockey Skinner player. Was one of the best five on five goal scorers of like the last decade. You also have to Buffalo. worry. About, and then Buffalo. You also have to. Uh, he was so effect. good in Carolina. The Ralph Kruger like, effect also is a, is a huge thing with. Skinner. I I will I will say Jeff Skinner deserved a con- he he was a little overpaid sure but like he deserved at least that a contract in that range but man he deserved a long term deal I don't know about nine yeah, by nine million is probably an overpay but like like maybe Man. like a six and a half by eight made sense yeah. or like nine by five. But the difference between him and a guy like Mike Hoffman is that he does it even strength. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. We like that. we said, time to wrap it up. But before we do, Vigit.com, the code is PTP hockey. Join our fantasy league. Players at the top of the league will get a chance to choose between some Panthers hoodies, some Panthers jerseys, some other Panthers prizes. Maybe even a signed Jared McCann puck because we all know that's not going to Jacob. Thank you, TJ. I was about to drop in with it and you did it for me. Uh, final thoughts, everybody? I want that puck. I, I, I think that uh, overall, people should look no. at the general context of the season before complaining about individual mistakes that the players may make in one single game. Like the, the team is 18, 5, and 4. Like, holy fucking shit, they're 18, 5, and 4. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.